a listener production. Hi, and welcome back to Broadsheet Melbourne Around Town. I'm Broadsheet's Editorial Director, Katja Vuchtel, and the host of this 10-minute guide to Melbourne. We have some exciting news about one of our favourite Melbourne breweries today. They were recently ejected from their 13-year-old home, but it looks like their new headquarters could be even better. First, though, we're going to hear about a really special new venue that's opened in Clifton Hill. It's part cafe, part event space, part radio station. Quiet time. There is a lot to talk about with this, and I think that you know Melbourne has a lot of great cafes, but they might not necessarily all have the five or six storylines that this one does. So I'm going to try and keep this as on track as possible, but there's a lot to get through. First of all, you've obviously been to this place and you really love it. That comes through in your story. What is it about Quiet Time that you think is so appealing? So I visited a couple of months ago and I walked in and was just so taken aback by the energy in there. It's very homey. The owners actually want it to feel like they're hosting you in their house, which is very special. And it's just got a bit of everything. Like you can come there in the morning when you're working from home, if you're the kind of person that likes to work from home from a cafe like me. And you can sit at the window seat and have a coffee and listen to some great ambient music while you're going. You can come on date night on Thursday and sit in a little nook with a candlelit corner. It's really beautiful. You mentioned as well that there's like a courtyard with, you know, fairy lights strewn across it that's great for a Saturday night. Just like sitting in there, turning up with a group of friends and having like a great dinner. Yeah, it feels like you're just having a few snacks outside with friends. As you said, just, yeah, the courtyard, the fairy lights everywhere. It's really nice. And then in the middle, there's sort of a cozy dining room with just wooden chairs. I mean, like when I went, I stayed there for three hours and that's not something I'd normally do at a cafe. I wouldn't normally feel comfortable enough to do that. But I just felt so relaxed. And the owners just kept coming back and having chats with us. And that's just not something you get very often. So tell us about the owners. Yeah. So the owners, Jack and Joe, they're from Perth. Uh, They've never owned their own venue before, but they just love hosting. Jack's background is music and events. Um, Joe's actually got a lot background. But when they have people over, they said they sort of go into this flux state. They don't know what comes over them, but they love it. Jack's setting up the music and sound, Joe's in the kitchen. um, And they're so excited they get to do that for a full-time job now. The place is beautiful and they've used uh, a lot of Perth makers uh, to kind of help them out as well as friends and family. But they also renovated the place or did some changes themselves. Can you just tell us about the space, which is a heritage building in Clifton Hill, which they lived above as they were kind of turning it into somewhere that was appropriate for other people to enter. Yes. The only way they could afford to do this was by living upstairs. So they did a lot of the demolition themselves. They said it was a wild time. They would go upstairs and there'd be dust all over their clothes. Um, The water wasn't connected properly at one point. So there was flooding downstairs. They had to use a camp stove to cook for six months. They ended up helping out a lot. They they got to see every part of the build, which was really important to them. They Um, found a few little relics as they were demolishing and kind of rebuilding, didn't they? Yeah. uh, This site has seen a lot of different iterations. Um, it was the Belgia Cafe at one point and they think it's a butcher from the 1920s. They've got a picture of the butcher on their website. While they were doing the build, they uncovered a newspaper dated in 1932, a strip of blue Aztec paint that they also think is from around that time, and even a beer can, like an old one. So describe the space now. It's really wood clad. Yeah. You know, this is the kind of space you walk in and there just seems to be wood everywhere. Yeah. And something you highlighted as well is the uh, stained glass door that separates the dining room from the outdoor courtyard. Yeah. So the laminated stained glass door, it's got primary colours, blue, yellow, red, um, and it's by a Melbourne 
fashion maker, Jody May, um, who goes as lead level. She did it with Torrin Clifford, who also built most of the furniture. That connects the main room and the courtyard, and it's probably the standout feature. Now, a lot of restaurateurs and venue owners will say it's about community, and I think just by virtue of the fact that these places are meeting spaces, they can be. But there's something particularly strong here around that. They are not only using a lot of local creatives and makers to outfit the space, they've also got a lot of local chefs who are going to be doing rotating chef series. Yeah, so they want to use the space as a hub for local creatives and chefs, as you mentioned. So the most recent chef, Yolanda Whalen, who has worked at Bar Holiday, they were making you know vegan polenta pizza slices and incredible sticky day cakes. And so they want to keep that going. So they're going to be highlighting chefs that are doing really interesting, great food, but not necessarily names you would have heard of. No, definitely smaller. And that's why it'd be more like a pop-up. And they really want to give them the freedom to do whatever they want. And a lot of those chefs are coming through customers. Yolanda was recommended by a customer and they want to keep doing that. You also said there have been people who have been coming just to play chess. So the owners want to try and maybe make that into more of a formal club. And I just think that speaks to exactly what you meant and what they mean around creating a community. They're actually going to listen to the people coming in, see what they want, and then put that on the food menu, but also just the programming menu as well. Absolutely. The sky's the limit. They're going to also do, you know, art exhibitions. They had... Um, a local collective called Spacecast come in um, and they got a local artist to do artwork that matched that and the music was matching that too and, you know, it's going to be sky's the limit. So the, so the music's important. As you mentioned, one of the owners has a background in music yeah. uh, and this is actually now home to Skylab Radio. So mm-hmm. for those who don't know Skylab Radio, it's a really interesting uh, online radio that was started in Melbourne several years ago. Yeah. It's awesome. And they've just moved to the space. That's actually how I found out about Quiet Time. Um, I'm a big fan of Skylab Radio um, and I saw the announcement they were moving to Quiet Time, so I thought I have to check it out. And one of my favourite DJs ever in Melbourne, Darcy Justice, was playing there at 4pm. And I saw that on Instagram and I just thought, that's incredible that I can go see her play at a cafe, you know, instead of a dark, sweaty room at night. Um, That's really special, I think. So explain how that works. Where is the radio in relation to the dining room? The radio studio is actually at the front. Um, It's broadcasting live Friday and Saturday. So as soon as you walk into the right, you'll be able to see the booth. And then at all other times, they'll have rotating DJs going on. So yeah, the front room has the bar with the with a wall really stacked high with vinyl and the booth. I just realised as well, usually one of the first things we talk about when we're talking about a cafe is the food. Yeah. We've mentioned it briefly Yeah, um, in terms of the rotating chefs. But before we finish up, can you just talk about what's actually on the menu, I guess, day to day? Yeah. So the most important thing to cover is toasties. There's toasties there all day. Again, it's really that really comforting, homey aspect of this place, like where can you just go and get a toasty at 6pm? Nowhere. So they're doing marinated eggplant tomato toasties and triple smoked ham with bread and butter pickles as well. Uh, There's also oven street pastries and house baked cakes like the ones I mentioned before that Yolanda was doing. At the moment, it's more just breakfast, lunch, and in the afternoon you get bar snacks. Jo's a big fan of a grazing platter, so she's whipping up those in the afternoon. Uh, But yeah, they're hoping to do roast dinners eventually. It's quite a small kitchen, but they're going to delve into dinners for sure. You know, Joe and Jack aren't claiming to be big foodies. They just want you to feel like you're being loved in their home. Yeah, I'm really jealous of the people of Clifton Hill and in the neighbouring suburbs, but I'm definitely going to be heading over there as soon as I can. Quiet Time is at 656 Smith Street in Clifton Hill. There's no phone, so you're just going to have to turn up. The hours are Wednesday to Friday, 7am till 11pm, Saturday and Sunday, 8am till 11pm. Thanks, Sasha. Melbourne is home to a lot of excellent breweries, some that really stand out. One of them is La Serene, 
we think at Broadsheet that it's actually one of Australia's most interesting and pioneering. And they've had a bit of a journey over the last little bit. Nick Connell and our publications director is here to tell us all about it. You described it actually as a bit of a redemption story. It is. It's a total redemption story. So um, Costa and Eva Nikias are the couple behind it. Um, opened it in 2010 in Alfington. Um, and a lot of breweries kind of, they get their name out there and then they go and they open a tap room and they serve their beers there. They never did that for whatever reason. And so they, they were kind of hanging around doing their thing for 12 years, hmm. but top of the game. And then finally opened this tap room in Alfington at their brewery. I was so excited. I put the word finally in the headline. I was like, they've finally done it. It's here. And then less than three months later, there was a bit of asbestos found in some of the neighbouring buildings in this industrial park where they were. And um, council came in through their landlord and shut everything down, kicked everyone out, including Lasseren. And kind of overnight, they weren't allowed to brew there anymore. So not only did it shut down their tap room, shut down their production as well. How long did that last for? Uh, it, was, it was a few months and there was a lot of kind of legal back and forth. They went to VCAT. Um, eventually they were kind of let back in and they were thinking like, oh, great, this is it. You know, we're, we're going to continue here. And then it kind of be- became clear that the, the situation with the landlord and the council had deteriorated too much and council was like, no, nah, you know, this is too hard. So what happened next? They were going to throw in the towel, which was just shocking news. When I had a chat to Costa about it and he was like, yeah, mate, we were, we were kind of ready to give up. Like it was all just too hard. And then this new site in uh, Reservoir has come along, which is really exciting. And they're kind of well on the way to packing up and getting over there and opening a new tap room and starting production again. And how did this new site come to their attention? I think he was just looking around, kind of frantically looking. But the thing about La Seren, they have very specific requirements. So... Um, the reason they loved Elfington so much was because it was close to Darabin Parkland. And what makes La Serene so unique and different from other breweries is that it, it brews wild um, using local yeasts, local bacteria that are in the air. So most breweries in Australia, how they'll brew is they'll get their tank, they'll um, fill it with disinfectant or sanitizer and you know get rid of all the germs and stuff. Then they whack in all the ingredients and put a packet of yeast in or basically a lab cultivated yeast. And that is the only yeast that they use to ferment in that sterilized tank. La Seren and a few others like Boat Rocker actually will leave their tanks open to the elements, which is just insane. It's more like a, a sourdough. So you get all sorts of yeasts and other stuff coming in and you kind of just have to trust the process that it won't get infected or go bad. These guys are experienced enough that they know how to manage those sorts of risks um, and make sure that what they end up with is great. And what you end up with is great. It's a, you know, these beautiful, really complex ales that in some ways drink more like wine. They have a very kind of acidic undertone and often um, pretty different flavours to what you might be used to in a beer. So at the new site, they obviously feel comfortable with, I guess, the tanks being open to the elements and whatever might come to fruition through that environment. Yeah, well, there's different um, local bacteria and yeast there. So it's the new site is a couple of hundred metres from Edwards Lake Reserve, which is a big, I think it's 46 acres. So was that really important to find somewhere that was near some parkland or some open space? It is, yeah. Costa really stressed that to me. He said it's so important for us to have access to to nature. And he thinks, interestingly, that the, ch- the taste of the beers will change gradually over the next few years. 
as this new flora comes in and gets introduced into their barrels, which are already inoculated with the stuff from Alfington. That's so interesting. Yeah. What are the plans for the new site? Is it different from what they had going at Alfington or is it basically like, no, nah, let's pick up and move and you'll, you can expect the same experience? Well, there's no asbestos in the roof, which is really good news. Um, but yeah, the, Costa is actually feeling really um, optimistic about the new site. It's a lot newer. It's in better condition. It's more sealed to the elements. The old site was a bit chilly um, and it was a bit ramshackle. It was like the brewery's been added here and then the tap room was kind of off to the side. This is all going to be way more integrated and immersive. You're going to be actually inside the brewery, all surrounded by it. And then they'll have a separate cellar room where you can go and um, do tastings for about 20 minutes, which is really cool. And the concept is kind of more like a wine bar than a brewery. So when you think of brewery, or at least when I do, I think of a big warehouse, quite masculine, quite airy, quite open, a lot of hard surfaces. Whereas their concept is more like come and have beers and match them with cheeses and small goods and stuff in a kind of more um, warm, organic wine bar type space. Sounds like a really nice place for winter. Yeah, it sounds good, doesn't it? So the plans are to open in August. Do you think they're on track? Is anyone ever on track, especially, I guess, with the state of trades at the moment and how hard it is to get a builder? But I guess we'll keep our fingers crossed. Yeah. And as soon as that place is open, we will have the story on Broadsheet and get you back here to talk about what it's like now that it's open. Thanks, Nick. Great. See you then. That's it for today. You can stay completely up to date at any moment of any day at broadsheet.com.au or on Instagram at broadsheet underscore Mel. I'll be back again on Monday. Same time, same place. Chat then. Listener.